You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 276 of Podcateers. In this episode, we talk about the event, A Swinging Wake, that we had the opportunity to attend, celebrating the Haunted Mansion's 50th anniversary. I know I mentioned this in the podcast, but I just want to send a very huge thank you to the person that gave us the opportunity to go. It was a very special event, and I I appreciate the gesture very, very much. Uh, Spidey is coming home, at least for a while. We're getting Spider-Man back in the MCU, and we talk about that. Plus, Gavin tells us about Walt Disney's first ever live-action film, Treasure Island. Remember that if you have any thoughts on anything that we talk about, join the conversation over on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube. Just search for Podcateers. If you're on YouTube, we hope that you check out some of the other content and you subscribe. If you do, remember to hit that bell icon for notifications telling you whenever we post new videos. Team Boat Willie is officially signed up for Walk for Hope because we are joining the fight against women's cancers. Team Boat Willie is our official charity group and we work to raise money with organizations that are helping to make a positive impact in this world. Our goal for Walk for Hope is to raise $1,000 and as of this episode, uh, we're over the halfway mark. So please make a donation to help us reach our goal, share our links to help spread the word of our efforts. Plus, we'll be releasing info on our upcoming auctions on Instagram to benefit these fundraising efforts. These will work hand in hand with the $3 donations we will be making for every Team Boat Willie item sold on our website until October 31st, 2019. For more information, please check out the blog post for this episode or go to teamboatwilly.com if you'd like to sign up, uh, be a part of our team, or to make a donation. Remember, it's super easy to remember our website. It's like Steamboat Willie, but without the S, teamboatwilly.com. Of course, I can't start the episode without offering our deepest gratitude to a special group of listeners called the FGP Squad, aka our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their generosity through their monthly contributions via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you like the podcast, it's a great time to become part of the FGP Squad. We got giveaways and special posts and stuff. If you'd like more info, a link to sign up, or even to make a one-time donation, you can go to podcateers.com FGP to all of the members of the FGP squad. We want to say thank you very much for your continued support. All right. Are you guys ready? Good. Let's do this podcast thing. Here is episode 276 of Podcateers. I got oh my gosh yes that bobby book it sure is my friend i want that bobby book bobby book bobby book i want that bobby book bobby book bobby book i want that bobby book i want that i girl's new book i want that bobby book i'll read i girl's new book i'm gonna read video oh my god you guys that yes. was good. Uh, we we go on tour next month. Get your tickets now. 
It's going to be the fastest concert you've ever attended. Coming we'll to an arena near you. That song. We'll even do an encore for you. We'll have Skrillex do a remix. <laughs> We're opening up monster truck rallies across the Midwest. It's going to be lit. We're going to be opening up Crazy Eights all over. <laughs> Especially one oh, where there's a, a lady named Miss Fritter. That takes oh, control yeah. of, of the uh, field there. Heck That's yeah. funny. Yeah, I'm super <laughs> so excited, the Bobby man. book. Yeah, yeah, exciting. Haven't had a chance to crack it open yet. I am excited. I finally got it. It was part of a shipment that I hadn't opened up this week. And I got that. I don't know if I told you, but I also ended up getting the Audible book so that I mm-hmm. can kind of pick up where I left off or listen to it all the way through after I read it or vice versa. I just like having both options available to me. And uh, there's a lot of people on here that have that have said very good things about it. Uh, an author that I think you and I are both very familiar with, Gavin, Daniel Coyle, who wrote The Culture Code. Cool. He is quoted as saying on here, people have been waiting years for Bob Iger to share his leadership secrets. Now he has, and they are utterly brilliant. You know, he goes on to say much more, but I'm super excited to read this book. And it's a really fast read, too. It looks like it's only a couple hundred pages. So I could, you know, probably get through that in in an hour or two, depending on how much ruckus there is around me. I'm excited because I feel like as soon as you're done reading that book, we're going to become billionaires. Yes. When I I come to the podcast, I'll feel like I'm working for Bob Iger because you're going to adopt all of his style, right? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, All right. yeah sure. All right. Sweet. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. In case you guys didn't know, uh, I think we mentioned in the last episode, Bob Iger finally wrote his memoirs. And the book is finally out. It is available on Amazon. And many local bookstores near you? I don't know if that's still a thing, but I'll put an Amazon link up in the blog post for the episode at podcasters.com slash 276 if you guys want to get your copy. Uh, We do want to let you know that that is an affiliate link, and if you use it, we do get a small kickback from Amazon because you went through our link, and the little bit that we get back from Amazon does help us out with the monthly cost of the podcast. To everybody that's already doing that or going to podcasters.com slash Amazon before your purchases, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for helping us out like that. Uh, been an interesting week. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit because I don't know how if we talked about this uh, on the podcast. I know we talked about this off the podcast, but this weekend was the event A Swinging Week put on mm-hmm. by Haunted OC. When we first may have mentioned it, we talked about... Uh, not having the opportunity to go, well, that changed. We had uh, some tickets blessed upon us, and (laughs) we had the opportunity to attend. Unfortunately, Gavin couldn't go, but Mel and I did get a chance to go, and it was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still recovering. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I really didn't know what to expect, right? Because they talked about how it was going to be a mixer and how there was going to be some live stage show stuff. Uh, Early on, uh, I I didn't know if it was going to be a formal event or if it was just like business cash or something. But uh, I went formal-ish, if you can call it It was fine. I mean, it was was, uh, formal. 
formal casual. Yes, that is、yeah. a term that I have coined and I will use. Formal casual. There you go. So、uh, we show up.、Uh, I try to vlog, and and I got a story about that as well. By the way, as soon as we walked into the dinner and the event, I tried to record a few things, but. I, I kind of fell into that trap of almost forgetting to vlog again because I was having so much fun with all the stuff that was happening. So overall, I think I recorded a few things throughout. It's going to be a very short vlog. That's all I'm saying. Nice. Yeah. So th- this was a non-Disney event, right? That right. is correct. It was put on by Haunted OC. It was. I think we in the D twenty three vlog that we posted on YouTube, we had a chat with Ernie Alonzo when we went to Bob Gurr's booth. It was the、mm-hmm. same segment where we talked to Justin Scard.、Uh, he is the owner of Haunted OC, and he was the one that was putting on the event. And、uh, when when we got there, like I said, we really didn't know what to expect because since we we kind of went into it blind. We didn't know we were going to go to this event until like a day before it actually happened. Yeah, we were so excited, so excited. In fact, that I think we like we both had like butterflies in our stomach because oh my gosh, like、yes. we just didn't know what what to expect. There was a little bit of a bar situation and a lot of talking in the downstairs area. It was at a tea house in Fullerton, and、mm-hmm. it was several floors、cool. worth. Of merchandise, the dance floor. There was a swing band. There was a DJ. These types of things, or these types of events, I love going to them because there's always those little tidbits that are thrown out by the guests or by former Imagineers, by you know just people that have worked either with Walt or in the industry that either have firsthand knowledge or have heard. Firsthand about these stories from the people that actually experienced them. So、mm-hmm. at times there's a generational loss, but you know it's always nice to hear those additional things that don't go into books or don't go into、yes. documentaries, right? Yes. And it was really nice last night、uh, to see Garner Holt. I've I've been a fan of Garner Holt for a really long time. His story was it was. Really inspiring. inspiring. Yeah, yeah, that's a great word. It it was very inspiring. I, I'd love to have Garner on the podcast and just sit down、mm-hmm. and have him tell us his story. I I want to save it because if we ever do get that opportunity, I'd rather it come from him than come from me. But he's got a very inspiring story. It was really nice having a chance to chat with him. I kind of geeked out for a little bit, and once I kind of <laughs> composed myself, we took a selfie, and I, I kind of went on my merry way.、Uh, Bob Gurr was there. We had a chance to talk to Bob. It's always a pleasure to speak with him. We had a chance to see Cat Cressida, who we haven't seen in, in quite a while.、Uh, you know, she's went through a few things with her health, and you know, she's much better now. So, you know, we continue wishing her the best in in her recovery, and hopefully, everything continues to be well. Yeah, man, it was it was just a great experience. Oh, and Tanya McKnight Norris was there. Does that、Who's、name that? sound familiar? No.、Oh, do you want to explain it, Mel, or should I? <laughs> okay. So、um, this woman,、um, she pretty much worked in、uh, wed and in interior, and she worked on majority of New Orleans Square and Club Thirty Three. But she is the Imagineer behind the original purple wallpaper that you see at the Haunted Mansion. 
Of oh. course, it's changed, but she is the person behind it. And Wait, it, it changed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't the original know that. version. And she explained that to us too yeah. while she huh. got to speak. And that's the thing, right? We all hear that Rolly created it. Right. And that, but he's really more credited with the revamp of the design. She explained mm-hmm. some of the primary differences and how the eyes were elongated. But, oh, such a great story. It was fantastic. That's, awesome. That's really was. cool. Because that wallpaper, it's one of the most subtle but influential pieces of iconography that goes into the whole cult fandom of the mansion. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't imagine that not being, you know, a part of that experience. So like, that's cool that it's a. I didn't know that it was a single person that basically created that. That's awesome. Really, yeah. it was actually an honor to actually have a chance to just walk up to her, and I did exactly what you're saying. I I thanked her, and I told her I appreciated what she's done. Because look at it now, 50 years later, I mean, we're still, this is a huge part of our culture. Mm -hmm. And I almost fell when I went to approach her. She really did, by the way. I I was really like trying. I I don't do well when I'm geeking out. So um, just to have that opportunity was just, it was amazing. No joke. I thought I turned into a hot mess when I was geeking (laughs) out, but... (laughs) Yeah. yeah, that was interesting <laughs> to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dude, super fun evening. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the person that got us into the event. Yes. Because uh, I, I don't know how to say thank you. Uh, I'll figure out a way. But just thank you so much for allowing us to enjoy this evening. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I want to go back. Let's do it again. It's really cool. So, um, (laughs) nice. (laughs) How long was this event? Five hours. Yeah, it's the the first part of the mixer. They had like a VIP mixer area and like a non-VIP mixer area prior to the event start. That started at six p.m. The actual actual event started at seven, and then it Mm -hmm. ended at midnight. Yeah. Wow. So it was okay. really great. It was a really long event. It, there was a bit of a shift in the event itself because it started off very Haunted Mansion. They had, you know, tributes. They told yeah. the Haunted Mansion story. And there was some actors. It was like an acting troupe, just mini stage show, basically, with three guys taking on several different characters with different props and hats and voices. Uh, so that was pretty funny and at times a little cheesy, but overall it was really it was fun great. to watch. Um, <laughs> what else did they have? They had that. And then, oh, they talked about the changes in the mansion and they went mm-hmm. through the entire mansion script. And yeah. so as they did that, they also kind of acted out the scenes in the haunted mm-hmm. mansion. So that nice. was super fun. And then once that was over, we had Bob come up and, and speak. We had um, Garner come up and speak. Then who was next? Cat. Cat was next, right? No, no, no. Excuse me. Tanya. Tanya came up next. And yes. then Cat. And then Cat. And then yes. after that, I think Justin 
closed it out. Mm -hmm. We went back to some dancing. And I think in the last hour or so is when it went from kind of like swing dancing the DJ kind of took over and it went into straight up backyard barbecue mode, yo. After hours. <laughs> it was pretty fun because like we sat we sat there watching the transition happened and it it was interesting to see people's faces because I think it caught everyone off guard and yeah. we're thinking like why is Snoop playing all of a sudden? <laughs> but then people get up on the dance floor. They start busting a move, dude. They did. Of course. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was fun. It was really fun. They did a, a costume contest. Oh, yeah. There was, uh, like I said, there was other celebrities. Uh, Holly Madison and I think Bridget mm-hmm. Mark Marquard. Marquard? Marquard. I think that's I how you say remember. it. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to know either of those names. They started off uh, on TV as television personalities, as... Uh, the the girlfriends of Hugh Hefner, and they've oh. gone on to become hosts of other television shows. Holly has written a book, so they've gone on to to become very independent uh, business people at this point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was nice seeing. We were sitting in the table like right next to them. Yeah, and I felt Eat. really bad just going up to them and asking them for a picture. Like I do my best to not engage with celebrities outside of something that they're involved in. Yeah. You know, just like let it them was, enjoy it. Yeah. 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 I, you know, so I didn't go up to them. So they're, they're not in the vlog because I was just too shy to go up to them. I remember going up to Holly once at Disneyland. And even after that, I was pretty like, I felt remorse because I felt like I, like bugged her but it was uh the first year that we started the podcast probably i don't remember but i remember going to disneyland and i was wearing the 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 coffee looking logo the starbucks parody of the Ah. pocketeers logo and Mm. i remember bumping into her between toontown and it's a small world and i saw her and i was like oh my god like i kind of whispered it to her i was like oh my god are you holly madison and she's all like, yes, I think so. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> is it okay if I grab a selfie with you? She's like, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, sure. And so we took the selfie. And even then, like I said, I felt a little guilty about it. So last night when I saw them, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to bug them. Nice. Yeah, it'll be they fine. They looked adorable because they were all dressed up. Bridget was the mansion maid. It was yeah. cute. Yeah. It was, it was really, really cute. Good. Yeah. So overall, I have to say, super enjoyable event. Haunted OC, you guys did a great job. Yeah. And uh, if we can fast forward or take a time machine to the next 50-year event that they put on, uh, I think we should make an attempt to be there at that one as well. Oh, and by the way, I just want to send a quick shout-out to our table mates at the event. Uh, Quick shout-out to Steve, also known as Steamboat Steve. Alex, he's Alex the Historian on YouTube. Lynette and Jason, known as Interactive Realm. We had a super cool time talking to all of them. And uh, I, I appreciated being able to swap vlogging stories and editing stories with Alex. Uh, because he's got a he's got a really great YouTube channel, which I'll end up posting in the blog post for this episode if you guys want to go check that out as well. So, yeah, just want to send a quick shout out to all of them. Was there any sort of gift bag or souvenir that you got or did you guys buy any merchandise? 
For us, there wasn't because we didn't get the VIP sections. Ah. Like, they had four or five tables that were, I think, two or three times the cost of the normal admission, which mm-hmm. allowed you to sit at someone's table, like at Bob's table, Garner's table, etc. But there were uh, tables set up in the upstairs area where you could purchase yeah. merchandise. Mel mm-hmm. actually bought something. I did. Actually... I have a friend who often, you know, we both follow each other on Instagram and um, she actually recognized me and long story short, um, I went to go see her booth and her Instagram is uh, Six Soaps. What she does is she creates like hand soaps that are, you know, they're Haunted Mansion based, they're Disney based or... The random stuff I've seen is a McDonald's chicken nugget soap. What? She, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I got to meet her, like actually finally meet her face to face. So that was a really cool, cool treat. So I, I had to buy one. I ended up coming home with the Hatbox Go soap, which I don't want to open because it's so oh, cool don't. looking. Please don't. <laughs> It is such a cool-looking soap, Gavin, and it smells tremendous. It does. Oh, my gosh. Cheyenne does a great job. So it it was just great. I mean, cherry on the top. Yeah. <laughs> Already a we'll, fangirling. Wow. <laughs> we'll put a link in the blog post yeah. for the episode so that you can check out her stuff on Instagram. Uh, I'm sure that in her bio, she's got links to her, to her Etsy or her website, however she mm-hmm. sells her stuff. But... Yeah, like I saw everything that was there. I think I may have gotten some video when we went upstairs of what was on the tables for sale. And she had mm-hmm. some, like the little tombstones and everything. Yeah. Like, they just look so good. They're, it, like when you talk about amazing handcrafted items, bam, right there. Yeah. Right there. Uh, hey, speaking of amazing handcrafted items, congratulations, Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> you launched your website finally. Why don't you tell everyone about it? Oh, this was a long, long work of progress. It's. It, I'm just so happy it's happening. Um, so I have a new home. And, of course, it is the oddmouthshop.com. I was able to create a new look. I'm. Yeah, I, I was nervous before I even launched it. But, um, yeah, I have everything on there. Um check it out yeah i'm still i'm still over the moon i'm still floating on cloud nine about this (laughs) yeah it's certainly an undertaking whenever Mm -hmm. you create a website like that and to have to manage it and everything it, it does take a lot of work but it just feels so good that at the end of the day something that you've created is either giving someone joy or something that they purchase from you is giving them joy Right. right. And this kind of fits both of those buckets. Like people will go and they'll see that it's not just your stuff. Like you have this amazing team of, of people working with you. I do. Give them all a shout out. Ooh, okay. So I have a group of girls who from the beginning who have just been there, who's helped me interact, who's reposted, who didn't have to do that, but they've been so loyal. Um, let me go down the line and I'm going to see if I could go in order. Starting from the first, the top, I have Carla, which is at the Disney Fashionista. Karina at Disney by Karina. Jill, you've heard her so many times on this podcast. 
She is my bestie, my ride or die, at Tinkerbella 728, Jessica at OC Swanee, Inthia at Miss Inth, Maggie at Margaret French, and Jessica and Melissa, Adventures of Disney Sisters. These girls, I mean, they've been be like, they've had my back, and I just want to share the love back. So when you go onto my homepage, you'll actually get to meet them and see the different things. So whether they have an Etsy store or just their Instagram. So go ahead and check it out. Give them some love. Tell them I sent you. Say hi. And yeah, let's all be friends. <laughs> Sweet. Super cool. We'll leave a link in the blog post for the episode uh, for Mel's new website. Uh, like she said, make sure that you head on over there and just give all these ladies some love because, I mean, I've seen it over the years as well. You know, I've seen the mm -hmm. reposts and I've seen the love and the friendship that comes along with just having just uh, it's it's just having like this whole section of people that are just cheering you on in a stadium, yeah. right? That's, that's what it feels like. That's what it looks like from, from down here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember when Mel told us that she was working on this website and I remember her sharing some of the frustrations of putting it together. I was like, you got this. You know, <laughs> it, it's frustrating yeah. at times. And, <laughs> you know, I, I can empathize with you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's a, just there's a, a lot to learn so i give props to everyone who's gonna do this or who wants to do this do it there's a lot to learn but it's worth it now we got to get gavin's site up and running so we can sell some of that fine fine art there you go yeah that's uh it's gonna be a herculean task right there my friend we'll we'll take it on <laughs> we can grody. go the distance i was gonna nice. say that <laughs> Wow. Yes, yes. Um, hey, so I, I want to make an announcement. We have some brand new products. Speaking of things that we sell, we have some new products in the gear section of podcasters.com. We now have mugs. Yes. <laughs> so if you want some kind of liquid receptacle to put up to your face and drink some coffee or some tea or some bourbon, I don't know what you drink during the day when you're at work, but whatever it is, <laughs> get yourself a Podcateers <laughs> mug to get you through the day. And if you want to make a difference, get yourself one of the Team Boat Willie mugs because from now through October 31st, we will make a $3 donation for every single product with the Team Boat Willie logo on it or any Team Boat Willie related merchandise towards our fundraising efforts for City of Hope in the fight against women's cancers. We're going to be participating in Walk for Hope on November 3rd, 2019. And we're just super excited. I want to say thank you to everybody that's helped retweet, repost, uh, has been yeah. talking about our products. As of this episode, we are at $510 of our $1,000 uh, goal to raise for this event. So we're just over the halfway mark. If you want uh, to contribute, please head on over to TeamBoatWilly.com. There you will find a link where you can either join the team and help us raise money or you can make a donation. This coming week, we will be announcing when the auctions will be taking place. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see the video that we posted. I'll put it in the blog post for this episode if you want to go take a look. But we will be auctioning off a Madame Leota Funko, which was the one that was released during the Haunted Mansion's 50th anniversary weekend. It was a Parks exclusive. 
in case you were wondering. And we are going to be auctioning off the 50th anniversary Haunted Mansion ears that are signed by Bob Gurr. Awesome. Nice. I'm super excited to get those up. So more information will be coming up on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. The auctions themselves will take place on Instagram, similar to what we've done in the past. So stay tuned for more information. Uh, but if you don't want to deal with all the auctions and all that stuff, again, teamboatwilly.com you'll find a link where you can make a donation or join the team and to everyone that's helping us out to spread the word remember let's change the world teamboatwilly.com heck yes oh by the way (laughs) i think i mentioned it a little bit earlier so this uh this story about the gimbal uh, (laughs) so i now have access to a ronin sc gimbal and no way Yes. Yeah. I know you have no idea what that is, <laughs> but I'm going to fill Correct. you in. So uh, you know what a gimbal is, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> for those that don't know what a gimbal is, it's essentially something that you mount your phone or your camera on, and it helps keep it steady so that it's not bouncing around or jittery like all my footage normally tends to come out if I don't have something like that attached to my arm because I drink r- way too much coffee. Now out of a Podcateers mug available on podcateers.com slash gear. And because of that, uh, I need a little bit of help. I have a gimbal for my phone and I've walked around the park with it. It's fantastic. But as of last week, I now have access to a gimbal that can hold an actual camera. And so on Friday, Thursday or Friday, when when I, I got this access granted to me, I I told my friend Ross at work, I was like, dude, we got to shoot a video. He's like, well, we don't have anything to shoot. I was like, yeah, sure we do. And I wanted to just post like a little teaser clip of the new mugs, you know, like mm-hmm. opening up one of the mugs, almost like, a, like an unboxing video. Mm-hmm. And... While we were playing with the gimbal, I wanted to actually make coffee because it's part of our normal thing in the morning. Like either I make coffee or Ross makes coffee. And then we just kind of share it after that. Uh, So we decided that we were just going to film the process of making this coffee. And then I figured, okay, well, it'll be a good opportunity for us to kind of learn how to maneuver the gimbal around and stuff like that. And then, you know, we'll, we'll have some quote unquote experience under our belts. So we start filming this whole thing, <laughs> and uh, unbeknownst to me, it was National Coffee Day this last weekend. <laughs> and so I figured, you know what? I should try to just put a cool little video together with the footage that I shot, and it turned out pretty good. Yeah. For a, for a thing that I just threw together with what was almost throwaway footage because we were just <laughs> practicing – It turned out pretty decent. I was pretty happy with the outcome. (laughs) I took a cheesy, like a drink out of the cup, and I'm like cheesy grinning over at the camera. (laughs) And then Ross is like, yep, that's it right there. Hashtag influencer. (laughs) Oh, no. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, It was great. Quick shout out to my buddy Ross at work for helping me out with that video. Uh, we had fun doing it. And now that I have access to this gimbal, 
I'm probably going to be able to take it to Disneyland with me or to other things that we go to so that I can shoot steadier video. And I'm pretty happy about that. That's awesome. So, anyhow. Yeah, your, your little video was actually really good. It had a lot yeah. of character to it. It had some great, like the the actual shot looked really good, you know. I, I thought it was really cool. I didn't realize you were using new equipment because I think all your stuff looks fantastic. But I'm very excited about this. Well, Well, thank you. Uh, yes, I, I was pretty excited when we got a chance to use this. And like I said, I'm more excited about the opportunity to take it to the parks with me. I actually had it at the Swinging Wake event, and mm-hmm. I was walking around with it. That, I think, gave me a lot more experience and a lot more in terms of what its limitations are. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I really like was swiping it around trying to figure out, like, well, how much better is this than my phone gimbal? And... I learned very quickly that it has its limitations as well. It's not Sweet. it's not a complete, you know, solution to my over caffeinated jitters, but I mean, <laughs> it's like 98% there. It's nice. it's a start. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I could be content with 98% of the jitters gone. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty excited. Be getting some more footage soon. Um so, yeah. Uh, what else happened this week? Oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> the news about Spider-Man, I think, basically broke the internet. We posted on Instagram that Sony and Marvel have reached a deal to bring Spider-Man back to the MCU for three more films. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry. I sounded excited there. So just three, like, and then they have to renegotiate after that? Probably. I, I'm i not exactly sure what the terms are because as of us recording this, the terms of the deal haven't really been revealed. All we mm-hmm. know is that a new partnership has been struck. And obviously, it's it's great that they reached this deal because it's been a great addition to the MCU the things that they've been able to do with Spider-Man and the films that currently exist as part of the Infinity Saga mm-hmm. are just fantastic. It's been the most fruitful as far as what has been grossed for Spider-Man films for Sony since they've owned the character. So the fact that they were beefing over this, I think that's why pe- so many people were concerned about it because mm-hmm. outside of what we got within to the Spider-Verse – Sony doesn't really have an amazing track record of what they've done with the live action version of Spider-Man. Some of them have been decent, but nothing compared to what has been done with the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man in the MCU. Plus, hmm. I mean, I don't I don't want to spoil too much, but the way that everything's been set up, you know, in Homecoming and, you know, the the latest uh, the latest Spider-Man film, Far From Home, like everything in, in all the films that he's been in with Tony Stark, it's always looked like he was the predecessor with the suits that he was giving Spider-Man and all the tech that was being incorporated. They were It, it looked like they were basically lining him up to be the next Iron Man of the MCU to carry the next phase. Yeah, I'm so glad that this happened. Even Bob Iger chimed in on it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he. I, I remember he quit Twitter, and then he came back 
I told just, you. Just a few days later. <laughs> I told you. Just to talk about how he was so happy about the Spider-Man feud ending. I'm um, looking at his tweet right now. It says, Disney, Sony, Spider-Man feud ends. Kevin Feige to produce sequel. This certainly warms my heart. Thank you, Sony. So what, what do you think the timeline is for those three films? Like six years? It's it has to be fairly quickly because all of the films are supposed to take place in between the next Guardians of the Galaxy films, I think. Okay. So is it he's gonna be in three Spider Man films or it's like he's gonna be in one Spider Man and like two Avengers films? Uh great question. Don't okay. know. I don't know much about what has been set mm. as far as the deal. But once we know, we'll incorporate it into the blog post for the episode or we'll talk about it in an upcoming episode as soon as we have more details. But I'm going to throw out a I'm going to throw out a conspiracy theory here real quick. You cool with that? I want to hear it. <laughs> they negotiated for three more movies because they feel like that's just about the amount of time they'll need to acquire Sony Entertainment for Disney. Ooh. I don't know. They're just going to think... snatch it up. I don't think uh, how many more major studios are there. We have there what we don't Par- have Fox Paramount, anymore, so we have Paramount, Paramount Sony, M-G-M. MGM yeah. still is considered one of the yeah. major ones. Uh, I think so. Okay, Warner Brothers. Oh, Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and then Warner Disney. Brothers. Yeah. So five. Okay. Yeah. I guess there's still enough out there that it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Uh, what does Sony own? I'm I mean, trying to think of where the FCC would get involved. I mean, you involved. also have DreamWorks, too, which they've become a major studio, if you ask me. Yeah, but I yeah. think you have to look at it in terms of the properties that Sony owns and whether yeah, or not the what FCC do they have would get value? involved. What do they have of value besides Spider-Man? Well, no, no. I mean outside of what Sony Pictures might have. Because if they acquire Sony, look what... All the stuff that came with Fox, right? Like Fox Searchlight and Fox like this and FS1. And yeah, I think they would like, just be after Sony Entertainment, just the just the studio. You think so? Yeah, they're not going after PlayStation. Or are they? The, uh, look, <laughs> Disney is very good at a lot of things. Video games ain't one of them. They are not, that's not their bag. And I think they should stay away from it. That is very true. Is very true. That's an interesting theory. Interesting theory. You heard it here first. Podcateers 276. (laughs) We make another successful prediction. We keep predicting attractions. We're like the Simpsons of podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, Yeah, that's an interesting theory. Uh, I mean, I, I... I, I won't take it that way. I'm just saying that three films is pretty much what they need in order to tell the story that they need to tell. And who knows? Maybe three years is exactly what they need before the president of something is out of that position and they renegotiate with the new president. Well, or Ooh. think about it. That could be Iger's like ultimate mic drop. Like, <laughs> I got you, oh, Spider-Man, yeah. and I'm out. Yeah, Boom. that's true. That's true. Maybe Puff it's smoke, in the book, and I just haven't read it yet. <laughs> There's like, if I flash 
uh, black light over the book. Uh-huh. It's like in Gravity Falls. There's all <laughs> yes. this like invisible ink that says, my plan is to buy Sony and grab Spider-Man back for Marvel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Ah, that's so funny. Well, it'll be interesting to revisit this episode in two years and see what happens when Sony is purchased by Disney. <laughs> Jeez. Ah, <laughs> oh, so cool. Uh, did you guys see that there's a huge shift in Disney leadership also this last week? Speaking of all of that. Yeah, it looks like yeah. some uh, park heads are moving around. Yeah. So Josh DeMauro, who has been the president of the Disneyland Resort, posted on Instagram. Uh, actually, I have his quote right here. Hold on a second. Uh, his quote is, I cannot express how magical this experience has been. But of all of the things, it is the people I will miss the most. The amazing cast, our wonder guests, and our incredible pass holders. It truly takes people to make the dream a reality. Magic has a name. It is all of you. Uh, So yeah, Josh DeMauro was vice president of Walt Disney World. And then he was promoted to come to be the president of the Disneyland Resort not too long ago. He hasn't held the position very long. And now he's going to be transitioning to run Walt Disney World as the president of the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, Rebecca Campbell will be moving into the role of the Disneyland Resort president. So we're looking forward to seeing some of her posts, hopefully on social media, connecting with her, learning a little bit more about, you know, what she's bringing to the resort. Uh, I think Josh brought a lot of warmness and uh, a lot of heart to the Disneyland Resort. I think he was... Uh, very a, a very admirable leader and I never had a chance obviously to work for him or meet him but I've heard a lot of stories from cast members and from friends who have had a chance to interact with him and you know like now he's moving on to bigger and better things as well so he will continue to report to Bob Chapek who leads all of the parks and, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a, a, an interesting transition. But I know that he's going to do a lot of great things at Walt Disney World. And, like I said, I'm looking forward to see what Rebecca Campbell brings to DLR. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's always interesting when they make these changes to see kind of what comes in the next couple of years. Because right. usually they, you know, some, some changes are implemented. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well... I think uh, I think it's time to shift into our main topic. What do you guys think? Yeah. Movie. Yeah. All right. Well, before we jump in, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you in part by a great group of folks that we like to call the FGP Squad, also known as our podcast fairy godparents. It is their support via Patreon monthly that help make these episodes of Podcasters possible. If you want a little bit more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad, you can head over to podcasters.com FGP. There you will find a list of our podcast fairy godparents along with the link to sign up. You can make a one-time donation, sign up to be a monthly contributor, Right now is actually a really great time to become part of the FGP squad. On Patreon, we post several exclusive posts. We've been having some giveaways. We're planning our next live stream. Hopefully, once our schedules finally resync up, which we haven't been able to do in the last month and a half. Uh, but that is coming soon. And uh, yeah, so 
podcasters.com slash FGP and to all of the members of the FGP squad. We just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Gavin. Sir. Let's do this. Aye, aye, Captain. Arr, let's <laughs> talk about the island. Yar. You guys like pirates, right? Oh, yeah. Just Everybody a little likes bit. pirates. We, we be liking them. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So today's topic is none other than Disney's Treasure Island. Um, so I'm going to start with a, a few um, just general facts about Treasure Island, the film. And, uh, and then we'll tell you the tale. The seafaring tale. So Treasure Island was Disney's very first feature animated film released in June of 1950. It was directed by Byron Haskin and produced by Walt Disney and Purse Pierce. Uh, the music was done by Clifton Parker. The script was written by Lawrence Edward Watkin. And the cinematography was done by Freddie Young. These people are all amazing because what they created is legendary. Uh, the film obviously is based on the novel of the same name by Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, published in whole in 1883. It had a budget of $1.8 million, which was a heck of a lot of money in 1950. Yeah. Uh, but it was successful and pulled in over $4.1 million at the worldwide box office. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and it stars a young Bobby Driscoll as Jim Hawkins, Robert Newton as Long John Silver, and Basil Sidney as Captain Smollett. So... Sit back and hear a little tale. The year was 1946. A young Bobby Driscoll made his Disney debut. Now, most people know Bobby Driscoll today as the voice of Peter Pan in the animated film. But he also starred in Song of the South in 1946 and then in So Dear to My Heart in 1949. Uh, Bobby and his co-star in Song of the South, Luana Patton, were actually the first two actors Walt Disney put under contract. After the success of Song of the South with its live-action elements, the next film, So Dear to My Heart, was originally intended to be a fully live-action feature. However, RKO, the current Disney distributor, demanded animation be added to the picture. Thus... Treasure Island ended up being the first all-live-action movie in the Disney catalog. Interesting. Yeah. Disney had used live-action elements in shorts and films going all the way back to the earliest days of the studio and the Alice comedies. Yeah. But more or less, this was gimmickry. You know, this was just them experimenting with neat effects and seeing what they could pull off. In the late 1930s and early 1940s, however, Walt sought to elevate animation to a respected art form. He achieved this with Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia, and Bambi. And as we know, Walt never allowed himself to plateau or stay in a rut. So eventually, by the late 1940s, he set his sights on the art form of traditional filmmaking. Hmm. 
Now, as you all remember, because you're all faithful listeners, in episode 270, we already talked about how Walt invented the nature film in 1948 with his true life adventures. At the same time, he was looking for ways to bring the Disney style of storytelling to big, colorful, thrilling adventures in live action instead of animation, which he felt he had already mastered. And of course, we also know he was already cooking up his very own Magic Kingdom called Disneyland at this point in time. In short, Walt was having a sort of renaissance of his own in the late 1940s that would take the studio and the company to new heights in the decade and a half that followed. This creative explosion reached full bloom with the undeniable success of Disneyland, which captured the imagination of the world, and the release in 1964 of their film masterpiece, Mary Poppins. So let's talk about Treasure Island. Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson wrote Treasure Island in 1881 and 1882 as a series of serialized stories, and the world's perception of pirates has been colored by his swashbuckling tale ever since. It was Stevenson's novel that popularized the now common ideas of treasure maps marked with X, the black spot, peg-legged pirates, and talking parrots perched on shoulders of their seafaring owners. With Treasure Island, the sea novel genre that began nearly 200 earlier with Robinson Crusoe came to its peak. Its influence can be traced to new pirate tales being told even today, but more about that later. So this was the epic story Walt Disney Studios decided to tackle with their first ever live action feature film. Nice. What they achieved was nothing less than breathtaking. It still thrills. It still keeps the audience on the edge of its seat. And in the same way the novel gave us our perception of pirates through descriptions and dialogue, so the film gave us some of the most influential imagery, sounds, and performances that have shaped our vision of the high seas ever since. The writing, cinematography, directing, and set design are all exquisitely executed. The film is filled with sailing ships, rocky coastal views, quaint harbor locales, and tropical islands. But what truly leaps off the screen is the incandescent performance of Robert Newton as the infamous Long John Silver. Can I get an arg? Arg! <laughs> Very good, mateys. <laughs> Newton's performance is credited with creating the pirate sound. Arr! His exaggerated accent <laughs> became the accepted standard for talking as a pirate would. He has even been deemed the patron saint of International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Which, by the way, I love celebrating every year. Yes. That's the greatest. Well, we haven't had a chance to do it at my new job, but, oh. oh, man, we used to do it, like, every year. I miss it. We need to start doing that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We definitely I'm, should. I, I feel my voice starting to just speak like right? this the rest of the podcast. We actually just missed it, too. Uh, it was just a couple weeks ago on September 19th. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will have to plan for that next year for sure. Yes, indeed. The story of Treasure Island is really about the young cabin boy Jim Hawkins, played by Bobby Driscoll, 
But in both the novel and the film, it is Silver that most intrigues the audience and keeps it guessing at, at his every move. He is undoubtedly one of the most iconic characters in all of Western literature and all of film history as well. Has either of you read the novel or mm-hmm. seen the film? I haven't seen the film, but I've read that. And You've then read, read the book? Uh, yeah. Okay. Negative on both Neg- accounts. Negative on both? Oh, yes. Melissa, we got to change that. The character of Long John Silver ends up being such a mysterious... He he's the the criminal you cheer for, you know. He's the the rogue with a heart. He's, he's the, basically Killmonger. Can I? Yeah, I mean, he's. He, it's <laughs> like you kind of see his motivations and you see his soft spot the whole time, even though he's a heinous pirate. And do doing... I get credit if I say that I've seen Muppets Treasure Island? Yes, yes. Ab- okay. actually, you do because okay. it's a very good retelling. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, Long John Silver is, is, he's such a unique character and the writing of his cleverness and his scheming throughout the book and throughout the film are just so engaging. Uh, It's, it's really, really good. Uh, Treasure Island has been incredibly influential. As I've said, Uh, the novel is considered the best of its genre and Robert Louis Stevenson is currently today the 26th most translated author in the world. Wow. So in all of literary history, he's the 26th most translated. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Now he, he also wrote some other big hit novels, such as Kidnapped and The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh. Uh, so Treasure Island wasn't his only success, but it was his first big success, not unlike Disney live-action films. Wasn't Kidnapped supposed to be a sequel to Treasure Island? No, he did write a short story that was a sequel, but Kidnapped was not a sequel to Treasure Island. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Good question, though. I'm glad to see you're paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) I also brought Uh, you an apple, Teach. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Uh, The apples keep the scurvy away. (laughs) Just don't eat the one with the green slime coming down on it. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Throughout the history of film and TV, over 50 versions of Treasure Island have been made, going all the way back to the 1918 silent film by Fox. So I suppose that's part of Disney now. I don't know if they got all of that old stuff. I don't know. Um, Two dozen stage adaptations have been created, and it has also been turned into radio dramas, comic books, and video games. Within the Disney company, the influence is far-reaching as well. Three different film versions fall under the Disney umbrella. The live-action film from 1950, Muppet Treasure Island from 1996, as Mel mentioned a moment ago, and the sci-fi retelling Treasure Planet in 2002. Yeah. <laughs> that also counts because it's a really it's a pretty faithful uh, retelling as well. Uh, in addition, its ripples are felt in the parks as well. The original Pirates of the Caribbean attraction in New Orleans Square at Disneyland was largely the result of Treasure Island's success and the influence that the romance of pirates had on Walt. That attraction became so synonymous with Disney parks that every Disney resort around the world, except Hong Kong, has its own Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. 
That, of course, spawned the smash hit series of Pirates of the Caribbean films. Yeah. What I find interesting is in those films, one cannot appreciate the performance of Jeffrey Rush as Barbosa without acknowledging the preceding performance of Robert Newton as Long John Silver. The influence of, on both the writing and the performance is very clear to me. He is clearly doing an homage to Long John Silver with his accent, with the way that that character is written, the schemingness of him. Like he's always trying to make a deal and like skew it his way and, and like capture the deal as soon as they're, they seem agreeable and then reveal like, ah, but you never said this, you know, like I, I love that kind of slick dealership that he does. And, and it's a clear, clear, uh, influence that uh, Long John Silver had on that. Uh, Fun fact, um, Treasure Island is actually the very first novel that a young Gavin ever read. Um, So it has been very influential to me as well. I still go back to it every couple of years, and I've watched the film over and over and over again. Uh, If you have neither read the film read the film if you've neither (laughs) read the book or watched the film i highly recommend it you know a lot of people especially today put such a premium on the new that they neglect the old and filmmaking is a long long standing art form and in the middle 20th century fantastic amazing films were being made and they may not have the you know mind-blowing special effects of today's mega blockbusters but the writing the pacing the cinematography the editing can make for some truly gripping films and i count this amongst them um i go see it definitely go see it it's available on amazon prime for like three bucks it's probably at your local DVD store for ten bucks on DVD. Like it's it's not one that's you know hard to find. Uh, do yourself a favor, watch the movie. It's fantastic. Uh, in closing, Treasure Island set the tone for Disney live action films for years to come. Though incredibly successful, many of the films that of that first decade were painted as boys' tales and thus have been have not been widely watched by female audiences. I think our little experiment here says just that. Hazen and I are familiar with it, and Melissa hasn't seen or, or read it. So it kind of makes sense. They are kind of targeted towards boys. Um, and that's true of a lot of their early films. Um, true. But nonetheless, it made for smooth sailing for some incredible films in its wake such as The Story of Robin Hood and His Merry Men, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is my personal favorite live-action Disney film, uh, the Davy Crockett series, Old Yeller, Zorro the Avenger, and of course in 1960, the epic Swiss Family Robinson. And that's just to name a few. So when, when Disney decided to sink his teeth into live-action films, as with everything else, he went all in. And he created an insane legacy. And like I said, I feel like it kind of fully culminated with what I consider the Disney live action masterpiece, Mary Poppins. 
Treasure Island is what kicked it off and, and started it. It is an incredible film and it, its influence is felt even today. So that's the story of Long John Silver and Co. Wow. And Co. <laughs> and Co. That'd be a great shanty, me bucko. Thank you. Thank you. We shall now sing the story you've been telling. <laughs> you know, it's great because in the event that you can't find uh, Treasure Island anywhere uh, and or you don't want to pay for it, but you've already made the investment in Disney Plus, obviously from the date of this episode, we're approximately six weeks away. Yep. Treasure Island and Muppet Treasure Island will both be on Disney Plus as of the launch date. That's actually a really good point. I did not think of that. I don't know why, because I'm so excited about <laughs> Disney Plus. But yes, that is very true. Um, it is. It's so worth it. It really is. Um, I have a penchant for the uh, 19th century English novel. Most of my favorite novels are from that era, and uh, Treasure Island is is no exception to that. Um, but the film I feel like is lost to a lot of Disney fans. You know, I think about the earliest film that most people are really aware of is 20,000 leagues under the sea. Mm -hmm. Uh, most people don't go earlier than that. And a lot of people don't go any earlier than Mary Poppins or maybe Swiss family Robinson. But yeah, 1950 gave us a world-class gem, some, some real treasure. Do you think that we would have had or people would have been more aware of it had we had a Pirates attraction at Disneyland sooner than we got Pirates of the Caribbean since we had a 20,000 Leagues exhibit when the park opened? It's quite possible. That's that's an interesting thought. I didn't consider that, but that that may be so. I will tell you that it it did so much to further popularize um, the pirate genre uh, that I don't believe we would have had Pirates of the Caribbean without it, the attraction or the film franchise. And I, I don't believe that. I mean, it, it really created so much of this kind of cult following of pirates and this fandom and the romanticization of the pirate life nothing is more romanticized than the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's one line that you can draw directly back to Treasure Island and specifically to Robert Newton's performance, which it's a performance for the ages. And I can't overstate this enough. It's worth it just for his performance. It really is. It's one of the greatest film character pieces you will ever see. And I get so excited watching that movie every time I see it. Like I, I put it on last night to kind of prep for this episode. And I was like, I was laying down in bed watching it and 15 minutes in, I was sitting up straight. I was like leaning <laughs> forward. Like I was into the movie. It, it just draws you in and it, and it may be more appealing to boys or, or men, but I feel like there are some universal qualities to it and some real spectacular uh, performances and artistry in the film that anyone can appreciate, no matter what walk of life you're from. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. To, long story short, to answer your question, 
yes, I think it might have been a more direct transition if there was something more immediate in the park mm-hmm. um, and more people would be familiar with it today. Or even if the 1967 opening of Pirates of the Caribbean had references to that IP, which at that time, they mm-hmm. I don't even think they considered or you know, they wanted to write a new story. I, I don't know, you know, but maybe if that was about Long John Silver and you saw Jim Hawkins and, you know, it was Captain Smollett that was trying to fend off um, Long John Silver, you know, maybe. But I, I, I don't know what the real reason is because it's it's a really fantastic movie. Maybe they just couldn't get the rights to it and they came up with their own version. That's possible i I don't know if the robert uh lewis stevenson uh estate still retained licensing rights and they didn't want to deal with that i i have no idea yeah it'd be interesting to ask somebody that was involved in the development of pirates Mm -hmm. to see if that was even considered at some point because now that you've brought it up i can't stop thinking about it yeah. I just keep wondering, like, why wasn't it incorporated, especially if Walt was such a fan mm-hmm. and Treasure Island was the first live action film? Yeah. Hmm. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, Walt was always forward looking. You know, when he first built the park, I, th- you know, when they were doing Fantasyland, I feel like they felt like they needed to bring in some other characters. But with pretty much every other corner of the park outside of Fantasyland, they were writing new stories. You know, it was oh, new yeah. ideas yeah. to their storytelling. And I think Pirates was not an exception to that. You know, they're bringing a new pirate tale for that attraction. So I I feel like just, you know, I don't know this as fact, but I, that's what I feel like was likely the case. Just knowing how he and Wed were operating at that time, it was all looking to creating new experiences, not old, yeah. even though like... Right after that, they did. They built Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. So I don't know. <laughs> well, for sure, I'm not waiting for Disney Plus because I really need to see this film, and I may just get this book on Audible. I it's so good because I think that's the only thing I would technically complete. Because I've seen all the pirate movies. I've seen, like I said, Muppets Treasure Island, Treasure Planet. I got the mark on of the pirate on my leg. I mean, I got to complete this thing. <laughs> you so, got to see it then. Yeah, you'll, you'll appreciate so much about it because it's clearly the grandfather of all those things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all those movies are spitting images of their grandpappy called Treasure Island. <laughs> right. And how you were you were describing Barbosa, and I'm watching... I'm like, okay, so I could see his mannerisms and what you're describing. I'm like, I got to see this film to make that connection. And yeah, like I said, complete the, my whole, (laughs) my Mm -hmm. checklist of everything. (laughs) Yep. I mean, it like in Curse of the Black Pearl, I'm I'm just going to keep going on this. Curse of the Black Pearl, Barbosa's character, Mm -hmm. he... Instead of a parrot, he's got a monkey on his shoulder, right? Right. That's one thing. He's got the big hat. They both have big hats. And he's also, he's afflicted. He doesn't have a missing leg, but he has a missing soul, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got the the uh, the fact that he's basically undead. So they both are handicapped in, in various ways. And they're both 
these dynamic, engaging characters with this charisma. They're criminal, but they've got this charisma and charm that can just draw you in. You know, I love the characters in the Pirates films. I think it's filled with some of the most amazing characters, and they're all so well cast. But Jeffrey Rush as Barbosa, to me, takes it to a new level. You know, nice. I, I think he is the best character in the series that I just do. Uh, and, and a lot of that may be biased because I see so much Long John Silver in him. And Long John Silver is the pirate of pirates to me like he is <laughs> my dude plus he makes some really great uh fish sticks <laughs> <laughs> he spawned a fast food franchise <laughs> wow sorry oh, hashtag dad joke ah, so good, man. Uh, well on that note <laughs> dude that was great Uh, Out of curiosity, I have to ask, Mm -hmm. you said that Treasure Island was the first novel that a young Gavin read. Was Mm -hmm. that because it was forced upon you in the scholastic system or because you just decided to pick up the novel and just read it? Um, I guess the answer would be some of both. Uh, As I remember it, we had a list of books that we could choose from. Uh. We had to read a book. But we could choose from, I don't know, like 10 different books. And that was the one I chose. Uh, it sounded interesting. And yeah, it, it, is, I, it was the first thing I remember enjoying reading as well. Like it, it kind of was an early example of, oh, reading's kind of dope. I, yeah. I, could, I could get into this. Um, and like I said, I've reread it many times over the years and it never falls short for me. I just feel so gripped by it every time. That's funny. The first book that I remember reading and having that same feeling about, because I, I read Treasure Island after the book I'm about to mention, but the first one that I remember that feeling from was The Outsiders. Okay. And then after that is when I started to venture out to longer novels. And I mm-hmm. remember reading Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde first. Okay. Uh, and I remember just thinking that that was one of the greatest stories ever written. Oh, and yeah. then from there, uh, because I went to a school named after Robert Louis Stevenson, our wow. librarian, yeah, our librarian really uh, pushed Treasure Island on me when she said, if you really enjoyed Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you're going to love Treasure Island. And I'm so glad I took her up on it because it was probably the third or fourth book I read just kind of on my own outside of, mm-hmm. you know, what was required. Yeah. And man, oh, such a great book. <laughs> such a great book. Agreed. I don't have a follow up to that. <laughs> I'm like, don't ask me. <laughs> well, give it a couple of weeks and you might have a review of your own. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know when you watch it. We'd love to know what you thought about it. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I think it's about time to wrap up this baby and put it to bed. What do you think? Sure. Wah, wah. <laughs> give it a bottle or something. I don't know. <laughs> 
All right. Well, if you guys have any comments on anything that we talked about in this episode, join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, also, if you're listening to this on YouTube, you leave a comment for us to check out. While you're there, if you like the episode or if you like any of the other content that's there, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Ring that bell icon for notifications whenever new videos are posted. And remember, we're still raising money for City of Hope to support the fight against women's cancers. We are approximately 50 plus-ish percent towards our goal. We have a goal of $1,000 for this event, and we're at $510 as of the recording of this episode. TeamBoatWilly.com is where you want to go to make a donation. The auctions are coming up. You'll get more information this week on those. Every TeamBoatWilly item that you purchase from the Podcateers store, podcateers.com slash gear, anything with TeamBoatWilly on it, we will be donating $3 towards our fundraising cause. So if you have any questions, make sure to hit us up on social media. We'll be happy to help you out with any of those questions. And that's going to wrap it up. So until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye. Made you look.